I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Child's back here again and very glad to say the first guest, if you don't count Jay McIntosh because we're kind of doing a regular podcast now, we've got a brilliant guest on to speak, Chelsea in 2024, what's going on so far, Pochettino, transfers, all of that good stuff and that is a guy that you should know, probably follow, seen the success of his YouTube channel which I believe now has over 60k subscribers he's on DR Sports he's on so many platforms and that is Matisse how you doing Matisse welcome back to the show pleasure bro it's been a while since we since we've done this so I'm looking forward to chopping it up and there's a lot to discuss man Chelsea wise it's never boring so yeah man I'm looking forward to this yeah absolutely I mean to think when we started collabing was like back in what 2019 which was a, mm. a very long time very very long time ago yeah, and so much has happened from a Chelsea point of view. There's been takeovers. There's been about twenty five coaches. Um, so it's so it's interesting. I guess the the first question is just how are you finding Chelsea right now? Because I guess you have a lot of interaction with rival fans on quite a regular basis, and of course the yeah. dynamic of that can be can be quite difficult. So <laughs> so how has that been that that experience this season and where Chelsea are? It's um it's a constant fight because you know what we've spent, what we've kind of done to the market in that sense, um, not just now, but potentially obviously when this all started in 2003. So it's always a, a, a stick to beat us with. And when we're not performing, people are extra, extra aggy and extra onto us about it. So the performance, I mean, for the last 18 months, we've been in the middle of the table. I've never seen anything like it. We had that season, obviously after Mourinho was sacked where we did finish mid-table, but we responded by winning a title straight after we'd won a title the year before. So we were we were still able to say, listen, you know, it's about tr- trophies at the end of the day. It's about the end goal. It's not about, you know, Champions League qualification and whatnot. But to be here for 18 mm-hmm. months straight and know that not necessarily we're here for the long haul, but we are going to be a slow, um, hopefully, you know, incline in results and, and performances and, and qualifications for tournaments. It's going to be a, a long battle. So, yeah, just 
it just it's just a shame not to be involved in these title races because you know what it's like, what it feels like, you know, whether it's Batshuayi at West Brom or it's Lampard at the Reebok or it's, you know, Drogba on the final day against Wigan. You know what it's like to be, you know, at the end of, of, of that race and to not be involved when it's just so, so tight at the top and it's so gripping. It's it's tough to take, but this is our this is our time, I guess, to have to reset. So I'm just trying to make sure that I get through it and defend us too. I think my job for me has always been to defend us as much as I possibly can until it doesn't make sense. And then in front of the rivals, that's what I try to do. And then when when we are just making mistakes, when we are just poor, then of course I have to I have to be very honest and, and make sure that I also, you know be critical and analyze us as as I would any other team but I try to I try to defend us as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh I think that that humility is probably overdue for some Chelsea fans as well. Mm. Uh like in, in yeah. terms of realizing that we have kind of been very blessed over the past 20 years to see things that a majority of fans would like to see. I mean, mm. Arsenal fans would be begging for just a Europa League. We've seen us win two Champions League titles. So it's like you, when you put it in that perspective, I'm like, yeah, sure. It's, it's not as nice and it's been a little bit joyless at times, but you know, I, I still, you still have those DVDs and memories that you can easily find to, to make yourself happy again. And I think football works in cycles, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I guess I, I don't know where best is to start, whether it's Pochettino or the ownership, because, you know, I my kind of balance of blame, if you want to call it that, or critique goes more to the ownership and more to the sporting directors than it does to Pochettino or any head mm. coach, really. Um, where do you stand on that kind of balance of, of frustration that you've had this season so far? Yeah, I think um, I think the board is, is definitely leading in terms of responsibility for the situation because they're the one constant throughout the 18 months they've been here throughout the whole the whole um you know entirety of it i think i think i always give them a bit of a pass on the first window because of the circumstances going into it with you know the the, the christiansons and the rudigers leaving on a free the poor transfer work done on the Havertzes, the lukaku's the verners that they had to replace um so i always give them a bit of a, of a pass there obviously they decided to to kind of switch the entire club around from a um staff and and hierarchy standpoint, which was obviously a decision that they they decided to take, which doesn't really surprise me when an ownership happens in any mm. business. You know, that's always probably going to happen. Um, but at the same time, I do think they've been extremely um, lopsided on their recruitment in terms of the profiling of, of players and, and age as well. You know, you look at that attack and there's very little experience, you know, CV to, to lean on in terms of goals and, and output. Um, and there's a lack of leadership throughout the squad. And I think I always look at this squad and I think to myself, if you were to take these individuals out and you were to place them in their rightful homes, so to speak, at clubs that need them and it makes sense for them system-wise, I think they'd all do, do very well. I don't think there's a problem with the talent. Um, even the Andre Santoses and the Angelos, when, when we talk about going to Brazil and getting these talents, I, I was very impressed with their pre-seasons. But then I think they're overdoing it by going in again on another right winger who's left footed for, for potentially 40 million euros and stockpiling I've never liked. Multi-club model is not something I'm a massive fan of as well. I do think every club should be individualistic to its own community and, and its its surroundings and, and and run according to that and, and not be part of this olive branch. But it's the way modern football is going. But I don't like stockpiling youngsters at all because what we miss is the integration and development phase. It's all well and good finding the talent. But there's a lot of talent. And I've always said to Chelsea fans, when they bring up these names to me, I said, you're bringing this name to me now, 
but in six months, you're going to bring another one. You know, you, you, you told me we have to sign Madueke. We have to sign Mudrik. Now you're telling me we have to sign um, Nassau and we have to sign William and we have, to, you know, and, and, and it's never going to stop. Yeah. Um, because these positions in particular wingers and attacking players, people have, they get massive dopamine off, off, off of signing these young players. So for me, I think I, I see their intent. I don't see their intentions as, as, as all bad or anything, because I do think they've invested a lot in it. They, they have shown ambition with Enzo and Caicedo and Lavia and, you know, certain signings, but I do think, um, they need to be guided this sporting team in, in what they do next and, and try and develop and find a spine and do little, do very little like we've done in this January, um, mainly outgoings. It seems um, less is more. I think now after all of this movement in the last few windows, less is very much more. I do look at Poch because after that, uh, before the players, because I think the players are the ones I have the, maybe the least expectations from, because a lot of them I didn't know before they came in. Um, and I'm kind of just banking on the sporting director's, doing their job and, and getting these these moves right. I don't have massive expectations from Mudrik and Madueke and Jackson and, you know, I can go on because I've, I just didn't, I didn't know who these guys were um, in detail before they arrived. But in terms of the manager, I think there's been a lot of sometimes misprofiling. Of course, the injuries don't help and sometimes he's been forced into certain decisions. But I do think things like in-game management, he could be faster on the substitutions. I do think, um, you know, not using an Ian Matson at left back, even though you are searching for height in the team, but we're still defending poorly in open play and still conceding on yeah. set pieces and crosses. I still look at that situation and be like, you're not gaining anything. So in that aspect, can you potentially improve our attack and improve Mudrick's support line or whatever? Um, and I also do feel like in terms of the way that we play, it's still at times very clueless when we try to attack and when we try to go forward. We don't look like a team. We don't look like we have a plan. Is that down to them not being able to carry out the actions? Or is it down to him not giving them enough detail? Who's who's to know? But, you know, it will fall on him in terms of responsibility regardless. So, yeah, I th I'd say it's board, sporting directors and then manager and players at the bottom. Because I, I can very rarely look at these group, this group and say that they're not trying or they're not... Um, they don't want to, you know, perform. There's only a few instances where, you know, come on, fix up kind of situation. But most of it has just been down to a lack of quality and, and being penalised in, in both boxes and, and mistakes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I think there's a lot there I agree with, to be honest. I think that in terms of that kind of lack of balance within the squad in terms of age profile is something that I think is a fair critique. Uh, I I do find the kind of experience line, so when people talk about experience and maybe it's just, you know, online and people maybe not bringing depth to the argument is like, mm -hmm. just buying a 28-year-old doesn't instantly mean great um, output because as we saw last season, we had quite an older squad and they were awful. Yeah. Like it was worse last season. But I mm -hmm. do look at the 1920 season for comparison under Lampard where... Sure, you did have that crop of academy talent like Mount, like Tammy, Reese, Tomori, but then you also did have Olivier Giroud. You had Marcus Alonso, who'd put in a good performance. You had Cesar Azpilicueta. There were still 
Kante as well. You had experience. Williams as well, yeah. yeah. Along with that. Yeah, it's like there were still players that at least could as well maybe guide those players. And in periods of that season for Frank, he very much lent on those older players when they were needed along with developing. And I do sometimes look at Raheem Sterling and get his, his output. Like it's hard to argue against his actual numbers. Like his numbers have clearly improved this season, but there are things in his performances that just irritate me. Like I think mm. I don't, when I see a lack of tracking back, when I see sort of a shrug of the shoulders, when he loses out, um, a 50 50 or whatever and then just kind of it doesn't help out his left back when we're yep. having to defend it's those things that i wonder who in this squad is guiding those young players and giving them a sense of wisdom i can imagine silver's doing it to some extent but i think you need more than just two players and, and that's yep. kind of been my frustration i mean do you is that kind of we, we've put ourselves in this situation now especially with the way we're looking to spend money that mm. for them to buy one of those older players now is going to mean they're going to have to kind of break their model a little bit yeah yeah they, it's tough because the market is really tricky right now in, in certain key positions so I, I I do sympathize sometimes on the striker because I look at that market and think to myself you've got to get that right if you're going to spend big um, but we could do with some leadership there I think Giroud is still in double digits you mentioned him he's still in double digits in Serie A this season for AC Milan I know he's on penalties but such an underrated player and and such a such a player that makes so much sense in a time like this where we are struggling airily with crosses into the box. We are struggling with, you know, you talk about having these wingers and players that need someone to kind of fizz the ball into and and play off. He's the perfect guy for it um, to to link up and to pass to them. So yeah, it's a big shame that we we still don't have him. I think they 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 do need to correct the balance, but like you said, it, it's dependent on who you know. Who's going to bring that leadership um, into this side? Is Ivan Tony going to bring that leadership? Um, you know, is he the right profile or personality to bring in? I saw some of his quotes for the Brentford um, situation on on potentially moving on a transfer. I do worry whether or not he's going to bring the, the leadership side of things. Obviously, we know that he can bring the goals and he's got the quality to lead that line. But is he going to be a leader um, to kind of bring it all together with these young players alongside him? I don't know. So... They do have to be very careful on who they select, not just from a talent perspective, but from a personality perspective and also from an injury history perspective. Because I think one thing that we've got very wrong is not only do we already have injury-prone players, but we've signed players who are off the back of injuries themselves, like a Fofana um, or, or players that have injury histories previously, or have even had niggles and knocks in the season and don't look particularly durable, potentially like a Lavia. So we need to we need to look at that. Um, because there's no point having all this talent and half of them are injured. Our injury record is ridiculous. I know everybody's pretty much got injury records this season. You know, at their clubs, they've got problems. You look at Manchester United, um, you look at Newcastle, um, but ours seems to be an extra level of 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 insanity. <laughs> so that's something that needs to be sorted as well. Yeah, there's, there's no... Uh, for me, I've, I do think there is a balance between, yeah, absolutely profiling players and looking at their hi history with injuries. But then also, I do think that the sheer number of injuries we have are just mm. too much to be bad luck and too much to be on a player's lack of durability. Like, mm. for me, I think it's just too... There's just too many, like, to yeah. make me feel that it's just Chelsea have, have, as, have as I said, like, signed the wrong players sign players that have a, a just bad luck with injuries. I think you can have one or two of those in your squad, but when I'm seeing a number of players also suddenly, 
it's a, I feel like we're a bit like Arsenal now were a few years ago where players sign for us and then they suddenly start having injury problems. Mm. And I think there's just, there's there's too much evidence and weight behind that. So, and, and I do concern whoever you think the head coach should be, whether you think it should be Poch or someone else, as a head coach, you can't, we're not, we're not going to get anywhere as a club if, and as a team, if if you are every two weeks having to change your whole system because players keep on breaking down, like that, how are you supposed to build chemistry? How are you supposed to build relationships? How are you supposed to form connections and a team that is stable over the course of a season? Yes, the 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 whole system currently is so much built around tiring out players. It feels like, and 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 teams have to deal with that. Like I'm not saying that Chelsea are solely victimized within that but i do concern that until that is fixed that uh, mm. you know it, it, you could you could spend another 500 million and you could bring in Osman, but if that guy breaks down within like two weeks what are you supposed to do and that's that's yep. a concern i do want to move on to to Osman, um because mm. i i'm ver- i'm very much now of the belief that like his and this is not really about him as a talent, like what he is as a potential talent, as what he can yeah. provide. And Chelsea are doing like the most unsubtle campaign to try and get him to sign for Chelsea. Um, but I, I, his potential signing makes me feel nothing. Like I don't, I don't see him as like this golden kind of Next solution. This guy that he is the savior. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, and and it's not as I say, it's not about him as a talent. Like it's just. I don't know how we can experience what we have with Lukaku, experience what we have with so many players in recent years who are supposed to be that. They come in, they don't make a radical improvement and still think that there's this one guy. Because I I mean, we can get into a wide discussion. I think there is also just like a reality that football has evolved. But what what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been not red flagging it, um, but certainly at least yellow flagging it for the last couple of weeks. Um just purely because I feel like there's too much money to spend on one player that I don't think is complete. I take a look at his profile and he's very dangerous in terms of his head and ability and his his willingness to press and his willingness to get in behind defenses and use that pace and 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 but the, but then I look at his game and I think there's there's sides of his game that could be exposed and there's sides of his game that I could potentially be worried about in the future. You know, his hold up and link up play, his his inability to, and 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 this was mentioned on a podcast, and this is kind of an interesting thought that Defoe brought up, which some some strikers can can shoot but can't finish. Um, and I think you know what he means in that is just being extremely clinical. And I don't know if I look at Oshman and I look at him and think that he's clinical. I think he's a, he's he's got a good shot on him, and I think he's very very dangerous in the air. But I don't look at him as a a finisher like a Harry Kane and think, yeah, this guy is guaranteed to slot these shots in um and and i i do want a striker that's an all-rounder because i do question how much service we do give a striker when we take away a jackson who does create chances who does drop into the pockets and, and link up play and carry the ball past players for all that he lacks from a finishing standpoint he's the reason why we create so many chances a lot of the time and then when you take that out and you put it put a player in that is really does need just the service and we don't always come up against those those high lines, especially as we get better as a team. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna see less of that. Then it is really the head and ability that sticks out. But apart from that, I don't I don't see him as as someone that we should be spending 120 million on. Now the market is messed up, so you know inflation is crazy, and and 
you know, these prices are getting more and more uncomfortable as time goes on because it feels like the quality of the footballers are decreasing, but the money that they're costing is increasing. And it's very difficult to legislate for that. Now, people will say, what's your option? What's your what's your target, you know, in terms of a, a comparison? I think as much as there's always inflation in the market, there's always still good deals to be done. There will always be good deals to be done. You look at Kudus at West Ham, how brilliantly he's doing. He didn't cost much. You look at Alvarez at Manchester City, you know, he would walk into everybody's starting 11s up front. Look how much he costs. So there is always great deals to be done. You just have to find them. And I think in in this striker position, I don't think he's the guy that I would I would throw the money at and say this is gonna be this is gonna be the talisman. Um I think a lot of people are quick to make somebody the next Didier Drogba and it's almost become a curse because I'm yet to see um I'm I'm yet to see the 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 attributes that Drogba had apart from the aerial potential advantage that he brings I don't think he's bringing the rest of the characteristics that Drogba um had and and I'm talking about the Drogba that everybody appreciates at the end not the Drogba that started if we're buying the Drogba that's that started then you don't need to spend that kind of money and you 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 may as well you know find a cheaper alternative and and develop them which is what we're doing with Jackson so yeah I think there's I think there's there's got to be other alternatives for me, um, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 the thing with, I mean, people always forget. I, I think in the drug Chelsea story, how slow it, it it started and how long it actually took him. There's a lot of revisionism. Like people mm. just they they think about Drogba's legacy, and they think that he was this star from the get go, and he was always destined to be that. Like it, it's it's. You look back at his first season, I think he scored about 15 goals, which to be fair, if Jackson scored and if any Chelsea striker scored, given yeah. the current standards, like that would yeah. be deemed as a pretty decent um, output like Tammy Abraham had a few years ago. But in yeah. the Chelsea team that was so dominant and was the best Chelsea team in like history, it, he kind of went a little bit under the radar and he could. And this was a pre-social media age, so it probably wasn't as, as focused in on. And then really Drogba... I'd say the Drogba that everyone thinks about now didn't really emerge till like 2007 when he started scoring mm. all those cup final goals, which everyone kind of remembers. Yeah. And, and Drogba, apart from the 0-9-10 season, was never really prolific. A a prolific goal scorer. Yeah, he was never a Haaland. He was never a Salah. He was what he became known for. His speciality was those big moments, which of course make makes him one of the greats. And I, and I don't think it helps. A young player, still a youngish player, not the most ridiculously young, because Osserman, of course, has significant experience now. But putting onto him this label and this expectation of him being, and, and unfortunately, it seemed to even overwhelm Lukaku, who was a much older player when he when we yeah. brought him back. That I don't know how it helps him. Like I, I think it only hinders him. Like you, mm. you turn around to a midfielder and say you're going to be the next Frank Lampard so basically you're going to be the next greatest Chelsea player of all time like yeah good luck good luck mate yeah. trying to trying to be that and it's it's yeah. just I think it's a bit unfair and I, I agree with you that in terms of the market if we can sign more Malo Gustos mm. I'm more happy with that level of yeah. signing competent shrewd consistent business for players that are young they could still get better but quickly prove that they are, are good additions like that's a smart addition like Cole Palmer for 42 million looks like an amazing deal like it looks yeah. like a piece of business that Chelsea shouldn't be making like that's not the sort of deal that Chelsea make and to be honest I think a lot of us at the time I know was it Alex Goldberg was was 
one of those who was very sort of in on Cole Palmer. I was skeptical because I looked at mm. the the washing machine that is Chelsea and as you mentioned, the stockpiling of players and, and was and was doubtful whether he was going to impact things. But sometimes the good deals do have a bit of doubt around them and maybe aren't yeah. ones that everyone thinks, yeah, this is the guy. But actually, I'd, I'd always take Augusto over the 150, 200 million player that, as you say, doesn't, He's never going to live up to that expectation. I mean, he's no. Enzo Fernandez and Moise Casado are going to live up to that expectation. It's, it's. I think it's unfair on both of those players. I think they can be two very good midfielders for Chelsea. But yeah. to try and... The market's so messed up now that you're kind of putting this kind of gargantuan, heroic status on players before they've even done anything. Yeah, yeah. Petrovic is another one that's coming. And I know he didn't, you know, I was, I was just frustrated not to see his, his opportunity given earlier against Wimbledon because I wanted to see what this guy was about before the Sanchez injury. But since he's come in, he's just been, he's been so calm and so composed and he's just taken away all of that um, fear and all of that unpredictability that the goalkeeper position was bringing when Sanchez was in. Now, obviously, it's still early days. It's a long way to go and he's still young. Um, and I do like um, um, the performances of, um, Bulka at uh, Nice, a former Chelsea Academy graduate who seems to be doing very well out there. So, you know, there's, I still think the goalkeeping position in the summer is something to look at because I, I don't, I don't, I never did want Sanchez. And I certainly don't think Sanchez is um, someone that we should be keeping as a number one option. And even as a two, I'm still not even convinced that I kind of even want him in the squad um, if he's not going to be a one. I, th I feel like we could potentially do better. So, yeah, I, I I like these these kind of low... I mean, look at Baddy Shaw when he first came in before the injury as well. He was another one that kind of just immediately came in and, and performed. So, and put put in some really some really good performances. So, if we can keep doing that, um, then yeah, I think we're, we'll be heading on, on the right track. But I think we've committed to so many players and you look at the amount of players we, we currently have on the books, even players that are out on loan, players that didn't have great loans like Fafana, Santos, who are having to re reroute um, and reroute their careers. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot going on and there's still the, the, the sales of Lukaku, Kepper and Ziyech to make as well in the summer. So it's going to be a long summer. If, if it's a quiet January, that means it's going to be a very busy summer again, I think. Yeah, I think it's, it's a difficult one because as I say, there are obviously positives within the current squad. That's what has made this season a little bit weird because at times there are clear I think positives, especially in the attacking sense. I mean, I think from an attacking point of view, in terms of recruitment, as much as there's concerns over the weight of expectation on young players who are inexperienced who go up and down, I actually think the output has been some of the best we've seen in recent years. If you compare this season just to last season, you see the output of Nicholas Jackson versus the expectation level of him. You look at the output of Sterling, you look at the output of Palmer, Madawake in recent weeks as has seemed to be uh, influencing things as well. Like on that aspect, there has been positives, but there still is that kind of confusion and, and concern actually that the the direction of travel for the club still isn't the most clarified. And I, I mean, I'm personally of the belief that I would just scrap this whole multi-club multi, multi -club and multi-sporting director model and just go for one sporting director and really clarify things back to the Milano days. Like I don't, when there's someone like Michael Edwards still out there, still hasn't been given a major role. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, Paul Mitchell, who is, is someone that's been linked with United for a couple of months, but still nothing has happened. I, do you agree with that? I, because I, I don't, I, I don't see it. To me, it feels like there's internal politics going on from what yeah. I've heard. There's, yeah. 
player there's player preferences which you always get in any sporting model at Liverpool at Man City I'm not saying that like people can't have different opinions on targets that's that's not the point but it's yeah. like there's it feels like people are kind of um, lobbying for their own players that they've maybe known in a previous job or job, yeah. they're like this is a pet project for me and it's like are we actually signing players that are the best for Chelsea or because politically this is what you want and this will give yeah. you better credentials later down the line rather than just mm. let's get a sole sporting director who's going to make that judgment. The 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 process is a lot more clarified. That's my major concern at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you can link all these players back, isn't it? The Lavias to Man City, um, you know, with his connection with Joe Shields. You've got Caicedo, obviously, former Brighton. Sanchez, Ben Roberts, former Brighton. Kukurea, of course, before, but before the sporting directors came in. Uh, Madaweke, who apparently was on um, Leipzig's shortlist, potentially, before he um, obviously made that move from PSV. Obviously, we had Christopher Vavell, who fell out with with the with the sporting directors and the other um, guys in charge, and, and maybe his direction wasn't being taken seriously enough. He didn't have enough control, so he said, "Listen, I'm just going to just, um, you know, see myself out." So, I I would prefer one figurehead. I think that's the way other clubs have done it as well, and I think it, like you said, it clarifies what we're actually trying to do and puts everybody in one forward motion. I don't want. Um, I like to have obviously different thoughts and opinions in one room because I think it ends up giving you a bigger and better result, um, and I think the more the more people that can bring to the conversation, the better. But there still needs to be somebody to answer to. And I think there still needs to be one person that leads this um, as the the lead sporting director, as the guy that that has the, the yes and a no and an, an approval and, a, and, and gives the final stamp. And I think Edwards is in that position to say, I've already done it at a top club. I've got the experience. Um, a lot of these other guys haven't done it at top clubs. Um, they've recruited for clubs with lesser expectations and with less pressure and with and with less of a microscope on their recruitment I think as well because if you make that transfer that costs 10 million pounds at a Brighton or a Southampton and it doesn't work out yeah listen the, the consequences are still potentially poor but I don't think there is as highly um, scrutinized as they are here if you make a 50 million pound transfer so you've got more money but with that comes more pressure and more expectation and more scrutiny. So I do I do want someone who's been there and done it a bit because throughout this club, there's too many people that haven't been there and done it. Um, and that's why I think people are calling for Jose Mourinho because they're just looking for any connection. I think people have spoken about it before. There's a lack of connection to the, to the squad, lack of connection to the manager, lack of connection to the board. There's nobody there at Chelsea right now that we recognise that we can say, right, even if you go back to having Petr Cech as a sporting director and, you know, people, there's there's no one for anyone to say, right, that's my guy, that's that's Chelsea. So now there's a couple of players, but, you know, it's it's not enough. And that's why I think the, the calls for Mourinho are even more, um, they're even more magnified because it's not like his, his performance as a manager is really anything in recent times to, you know, to, to go crazy about. I think it's more trying to get that connection back and, and the, the intangibles, funnily enough, which is rarely brought up enough for players. You know, people don't tend to, but for manager right now, yeah, the intangibles are massive. <laughs> the people really want it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think um, the Mourinho thing is, is, is interesting to me because I think it, in a lot of ways, is a continuation of stuff I have seen online and just in general Chelsea discourse over the past 
12, 18 months, you know, in terms of longing for that past, longing for sort of that nostalgia of, of a previous Chelsea that has, has gone and people wanting it back and and not feeling like there's that connection to the current ownership. Like, and I, I feel that when I go to Stamford Bridge, like I can't, I can't deny it. Like when I turn up at Stamford Bridge, my, it's not just about like being cynical or nihilistic about things. It's just, I don't, I don't feel that connection to the current group of players. And that's not to say I don't like the current group of players. It's just, it does. And and unfortunately, I mean, maybe it's the same for you. You hear things behind the scenes that unfortunately make me more cynical and yeah. more disconnected. Unfortunately, at times it feels like the stuff I get told are worse than even my most cynical fears. So I'm like, <laughs> this is this just, it just, you know, prepares you to kind of make that distance even further to the club. And I don't know what, what are your thoughts on Mourinho? I, I'm personally not open to it at all. Um, and that's, I spoke about it on my morning show on Friday that this is not to try and diminish his impact, his legacy as the greatest Chelsea manager of all time. And like, there's to try and replicate what he's done and compete with what he's done is gonna be very difficult. But I just, especially with the squad we've built, I don't know if someone can please answer and explain to me how Jose Mourinho walking into a squad of players under the age of 25 makes us better and how he isn't going to flip out and go, I want a bunch of 29 year olds and, and how he makes that work. I just, I don't, uh, that's, that's throwing to side the, the character, the, the, his tactical kind of relevance nowadays compared to a decade ago. I mean, what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm. I'm not. Um, I'm not entertaining either. Most of the arguments that have been brought to me have been um, very much emotional. I think, and very much based on the feeling, and based on the mentality, and based on the passion, and based on the connection. And yes, some people go to the winning side of things. He won the Conference League, but we're not interested in David Moyes. Um, you know, he he's obviously got to the Europa League final. He's got to the um, Carabao Cup final for for Tottenham before he was sacked. Um, but he didn't win those things. And, you know, people were not interested in Poch's Champions League final. You know, they're not interested in even him win, winning League 1 or finishing second in League 1. So what? So why? It feels like the goalposts are moving. And I'm talking about Mourinho over the last five years. I'm not talking about Mourinho in his prime at Inter Milan, at Porto, at Chelsea, at Real Madrid. If we was getting that Mourinho, different conversation, but we're not. And I think the thing is with Mourinho, what comes with it is... There is a lot of PR around him because he's a massive character and he's a massive name and people get swept up in it and, and they get reminiscent and nostalgic about what he did prior and they can't separate Mourinho in, in his prime and Mourinho today. Um, and people talk about the money spent at Roma, but you also have to look at the, the, the increased wage bill and the players that he did bring in because they're all instant impacts. None of them are young players or anything. He's brought in players to 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 do the business right now and they're not doing that. Um, in, in that league, you know, with the position that they're in. So I love Mourinho. Um, if anything, I'm trying to protect him. You know, people will see it as, a, as an insult to to say that he shouldn't come back here. And, you know, how could you disrespect our legend? I think I think it's more of a disrespect to put him in a position that he can't win. Um, you know, for me, this is not a team that's ready to win major trophies. It's not a board that he's going to work with for, for any longer than 12 months um, before things blow up. And I look at him and think, for your career and your legacy, does it make sense for you to come here a third time and probably not pick up a Premier League or a Champions League? Or does it make sense for you to go and do an international job um, or go and go to a Newcastle where 
if you do win a, a Carabao Cup or something, it is history. It is for the first time in a long time. And you are making um, things happen that haven't happened like you did at Roma for the Conference League. So I just think if it was a different name um, under the same circumstances, Chelsea fans wouldn't bat an eyelid. And that's always a red flag to me if someone can't justify um, a, a move of that magnitude without the name. I think if the name doesn't exist, you, they don't do it. So for me, that's 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 a no for sure. You can't you can't make that move. Yeah, yeah, it is it it's it it is kind of just wanting to. As I say, I think some people are just trying to feel something, and it's like, yeah. yeah, I understand that kind of wanting of nostalgia, but there is a bad side of nostalgia that you know leads you down a path of. I think that Man United maybe have fallen victim to of just constantly trying to chase your tail and it's 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 reactive move after reactive move i wouldn't put it past this ownership to go to Mourinho in kind of like a panicked moment i wouldn't be surprised if there are people within that ownership structure right now who see the glitz and glamour and the headlines and the pr and think to themselves there could be some commercial benefits to having Mourinho. but if we're being a serious club if we're being a team that wants to compete with Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal in the upcoming years, then no, like there's no, there, there, for me, there's no point beyond vibes. Like it's just vibes. It's a vibes argument. Just vibes, that's what literally. it is. And that, yeah. yeah and, and it's not, and you know, that's kind of my frustration with a lot of the discourse now. I don't know if you feel similar. It's like, I, I feel like a lot of the discourse comes down to sound bites in press conferences, clips of coaches on the touchline, but it's like, what are they actually doing to improve the team? Like a, a clip of Thomas Tuchel shouting at a player is good, but like that performance that that clip was from was pretty woeful and was a representation of a downfall in performances under that head coach. Like, so, and a nice fiery comment in a press conference might make people feel something, but is it actually representative of a club going in a positive direction or is it just someone having a rant? Like I don't, what's, what's the tangible effect? If that guy's having a rant in a press conference, like Jose used to and Chelsea were the best club in England. Yeah. Like nice. But if, if that's just, if it's all just like, let's have it. It feels like WWE, like let's just have a nice promo from Jose mm. Mourinho. Let's just yeah. have those vibes. Let's have those touchline things. Let's have those memories. But like, mm. he won't have Frank Lampard on the pitch as a number eight. He won't have no. Diego Costa. He won't have JT. He won't have Thibaut Kutsuora checking goal. Like, yeah. it's just people, when I've tried to press them on it, it's like they have very, very little justification for it. It's just, yeah. well, at least Jose, the argument I've heard, oh, Jose will like come in and at least put a rocket up the players. And it's like, what does that mean? What does that do? <laughs> does does that does does that make them f finish their chances? Like, does that does that suddenly improve their conversion rate, which is which is not not being good enough? Does that? No, it doesn't. You know, all of these all of these are short term. All, all of these are short term benefits, potentially benefits, and very little medium to long term gains. Um, and that's why it wouldn't last two seconds. And you know, you take a look at the first few months of press conferences and interviews and it's, it's very reminiscent of like almost the Lukaku transfer in a way where it's like the, the PR and the promo is just too good to be true. You know, I can, I can see it now. Everybody's going to love it. It's going to be incredible. But then when it actually gets into the thick of it and that runs out and we're now back into game by game results, performances, 
no PR and promo can save you then. Like now it's time to, to get to get the actual, you know, let's get what we're what we're bargaining for. And the thing is with Jose Mourinho that you can't ever really push and you can never try and make it his his thing is we're not here for the long term. If Mourinho is coming in, we need to deliver because he's not going to be here for a long time. And his 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 way of building a club isn't for the long term. It's to win now. The signings will be now. The the pressure will be, you know, will be there and it will be about delivering. It's not going to be about trying to build anything for the long term and trying to 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 see some sort of vision. We will be in it from the beginning. You know, we need to deliver now. That's 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 what Mourinho is all about. You can't change that. And if you change Mourinho, if you try to make him a long term manager and try to make him you're 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 almost wasting your time now. Now you're not even now you're not even getting Mourinho for what you bargained, what you wanted him for. You're just yeah. you're just making a, a a diluted version of someone else, really. Final thing is just your expectations for the rest of this season. Um, of mm. course, something mad could happen in the January transfer window before before deadline day, but it doesn't look that likely. Um, kind of to set out where I am looking for Poch, and people have asked me like who are a little bit more sort of sceptical or very critical of Poch in recent weeks is like to me my kind of parameters and kind of the way I'm going to be judging him is not only just it's not to say league position is irrelevant but like it was a bit like Potter this time last year like I I want to see a sense of progression in the team I don't want to see a team that looks so reactive game to game that we're only the tactical and kind of profile judgments being made are purely because we need to win the next game it's like how it, can the team look a lot more effective? Can players look like they're actually moving in a positive direction under Pochettino? If we finish like seventh, but then actually from a play style point of view, something has moved forward and you can actually see players getting better. Players are playing in the right position. You've got Chilwell playing at left back. You've got Colwell playing at left centre back. You know, Enzo Fernandez is now assisting on a regular basis. Casado looks like he's holding down midfield. Nicholas Jackson looks like he's even getting better as you know it's those it's yeah. those things that I'm going to be judging Pochettino on and that's what's frustrated mm. me in recent weeks when I get I get too much of a sense like the Middlesbrough game it was like I feel too much like I'm watching late Tuckle and late Potter performances where it's like mm. we're just trying to survive and it's yeah. like I'm not that's not if if you're in here for the long haul you shouldn't be trying to survive you you're supposed to be progressing yeah. the team yeah facts um 100% for me in this window, um, I think we do need to bring in a, a striker um, as because I don't... Well, we've seen Broyers asking price now, which I think is a bit too much because I don't think the club's interested will be able to or will pay that money. So, But I do believe that there needs to be a balance with Jackson in terms of, okay, you've got a Jackson, but then you need an experienced striker who can teach him but also take responsibility off of him and bring a bit of balance to the table, give us an aerial threat um, and just give us something a bit different. So ideally, I think a striker would come in and, and balance the team out a lot, potentially bring leadership qualities um, and, and maybe Broyer does have to be the, the full guy. I think it's I think it's a, it's a shame because I do think he had potential before that injury and I do think he was a player that could have, could have I think we, we both called him almost, you know, potentially like a, a, a young Costa, but I think for where we're at right now, with the amount of young players we have on the books, when I look at the the, the, the strikers in Washington and Fofana and Whispers, and it's just too many, way too many young players in one position and, and too many young players in one attack. So if we were to get good money for him, 
Um, I'd let him go, maybe put a buyback on there just to cover yourselves like you did with Livermento and try and see if you can bring in a striker in this window. And then I'd, I wouldn't do anything else. I don't think we need a centre-back desperately right now um, until we see what the, the situation is with, with Silva and also Fafana when he returns as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I definitely don't feel sorry for us in the midfield. We've We've spent so much money in midfield. It has to work. It absolutely has to work. We have to find some sort of balance um, and some sort of um, some sort of partnership in that midfield. You cannot spend upwards of 260, million on, on, on three midfielders and try and convince anybody you need another one. It's just that has to that has to be rectified 100 percent. So we'll see if, if, if it can be. But yeah, I, I'd make one one sign in and, and continue to make a few offloads um, or offload a few players if you have to. Yeah, it's uh, yeah on the midfield one. Like we were calling for investment for so many years in that area, and they've done it. Uh, but mm. yeah, I absolutely agree that any idea we need to be going out for someone else is just yeah farcical. Like it's, uh, I think it is just about giving those players more time to gel, and hopefully you get a Lavia that can get past these early injury problems and and actually start to impact things and see how he develops. And you know, Conor Gallagher doesn't look like he's going to be sold, so. We'll continue to play and, and I actually think in recent weeks Casado more so Casado than Enzo but Enzo had a good game against Fulham yeah. um starting to play in roles that I envision they would under Pochettino were just when we signed them so I think that's positive uh but thank you so much Matisse for joining me um as we do with all guests just a chance for you to shout out where people can find much of your work I know it's not just Chelsea work I know you do F1 work I mean I'm not a yeah. F1 fan myself but uh, I know yeah. you do that so any anything you want to plug now's the time to do it yeah bro appreciate it um guys it's it's mah for sure on the youtube channel and then you can see me on the big six dr on track gp as well um and yeah a couple of other places but those are the those are the main ones on a weekly and uh yeah listen for me it's just about it's just about getting through this window without you know absolutely smashing up the place and and having 10 ins and 10 outs so it's been an absolute pleasure i was checking my channel there the other day and i saw my first live was actually with yourself bro um with you know if you guys go and check it out you'll see the live and you go to the the oldest live the first live on the channel i think was with me and me and son of chelsea so yeah man it was brilliant brilliant um going back there and seeing seeing the old content so yeah check it out people and and subscribe thank you so much for taking the time to watch this show if you're a chelsea fan and you want more carefree content please do hit that subscribe button really helps the channel out as well as the like button and sharing it around with friends so more people can get involved in the community and you can follow son of chelsea across socials at son of chelsea on tiktok on instagram and on x thank you sports social podcast network